0: Angie and Carly, two moms with two kids and two different types of cancer,
1: lung and breast. They first met back in 2003 as AmeriCorps Promise Fellows in Boston, Massachusetts, as struggling college graduates trying to find their way.
0: Fast forward 16 years later, Angie's in Switzerland and Carly's in London, and they find their friendship reunited by cancer. Join these moms as they navigate through what it takes to heal themselves while raising kids in an expat world.
1: Angie, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? Good, good, good.
0: So obviously you've got some big news for everybody, don't you? You are out of hospital. What's that like?
1: Yes, <laughs> freedom a little bit. It's nice to be out, definitely, but it's just so funny how you get right back into daily life and the pace of things. Yeah, and how are you keeping up with the pace or are you finding it difficult? No, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, slow down and not, you know, pick up the pace as I was before. But, you know, it's still, you know, like picking up the kids from school and making dinner and things like that. But reminding myself that I have to slow down. But just because I'm on my two feet doesn't mean that I should be doing everything that I was doing before.
0: Exactly. And the, and the funny thing is, is that obviously mommy duties, they're always there, aren't they?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. My, my, my kids were like, oh, you're out of the hospital, so you're better now. I'm like, <laughs> yes
0: yes and no exactly like it's almost like it didn't happen isn't it because they want all the lovely food that you cooked they want mommy cuddles they want to play and all those sort of things and probably the hardest bit is just saying hold on a minute I mustn't rush into everything you know just take it one step at a time and and see how you get on so obviously you're out of hospital now and you're starting to enjoy yourself but what was it like for you in the hospital you know, the
1: hospital is not a place for you to get rest because the nurses come by. like It's like they have to check your blood pressure at like 4.30 in the morning. It's like, why? Why do you need to check my blood pressure at this time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that part wasn't that great. And then, you know, I made my hospital room kind of like my dorm room. <laughs> okay. So I had like, you know, a bunch of pictures up of my friends and my family and... Nice inspirational quotes and stuff. So that part, I tried to make it feel a little bit more like home. But it still kind of feels like a prison per se. Like, you know, you're you're in a room, four walls, in a bed. I tried to, like, you know, wear street clothes. So I wasn't in my hospital down all the time. <laughs> but, yeah, it's definitely it's not a place that you want to stay for an extended amount of time.
0: Oh, most definitely. And I think you were in there for how long? A couple of weeks,
1: weren't you? Yeah, or- I was in the hospital on and off three months.
0: Yeah, I don't know, for three months. I mean, that's a long time to be in and out of hospital, isn't it? Yeah. Or staying in there for periods of time. Like it almost becomes like the new norm, but obviously we don't want that to be the new norm. So we've got to get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember when I um when I was in first first hospital it was for my um my back to me, and then also you know getting my lymph nodes out or what have you. And it almost it almost felt like a bit of a shock at first because you're like, oh wait, what am I doing here? I feel so out of place.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: you kind of like have to wear a hospital gown. Yeah, and for me, like for the life of me, I still after as many times as I've been in the hospital. I still don't know how to tie the hospital gown properly. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't get it. It's like this. Yeah. I don't know what it's like in Geneva, but here it's like, and probably in the States as well, I don't know. But you have to like tie behind and I yeah. just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Just, and and it's like the strings are never the right length or if they are, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So I always, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a few times when I've had to ask the nurses just to be like, right, okay, if I'm going into surgery and you need this done properly. Can you do it for me? Because <laughs> I have no clue. So I mean that that is just one of those things that I've just not caught on to, you know, as many times as I've been in and, and well, hopefully I yeah, hopefully I don't catch on to it. Hopefully it's just like one of those things that I just don't know how to do. But that was something that always just made me chuckle. You know, the uh you know when you're in like in your bed and I don't know if you had it, you get those like sort of air pumps that go on your legs to prevent oh, D V T. Yeah, it's a yeah, massage. Not
1: Did
0: massage. You have but, that. Yeah, like to... <laughs> Oh, it's not a massage, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <No.
1: laughs>
0: But those things, they're like going on all night long. And I'm like, I'm just trying to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> you're trying to sleep. Those are going off and off. And then the nurses come in saying, I need to take your temperature and check your oxygen level. And then they're like coming in a while later to check something else. And like, I guess it'd be temperature, oxygen level and something else. And you're like, Really? Like yeah. you said, I mean, it's like what, four o'clock in the morning? I just fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. it's
1: not.
0: So by the time you fall asleep, then you're like, wait, it's time to get up. And you've got to make it look like
1: you're trying to start your day. So you're not like just in bed all day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and where I was staying, my, like the first time I was in the hospital, or was it the second time? My room was right next to the helicopter landing pad. So, oh no. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was horrible because it's like, so loud when it's so close to you of course like when my kids when came to visit me they were so impressed I'm like oh wow cool helicopter and i wanted to be like yeah well you know that's because there's somebody in there with broken limbs but you know you don't want to burst their bubble
0: and they yeah yeah, because they they enjoy it it gives them kind of like something to look forward to yeah. Like I know when, when my girls used to come and visit me, the hospital had like a, a latte machine. I think it was Chibo, which used to be a brand that was in the UK many years oh, ago.
1: They have that in Germany too,
0: Chibo. Okay, Chibo. So it was like Chibo coffee machine. So you like push the button and they'd get the hot chocolates and then I'd have to split the cups because they'd have to add a bit of milk to cool it down and what have you. And then usually if there was like a nurse around or what have you, they'd give them a packet of biscuits. It was like this special retreat. <laughs> <laughs> they just... They'd be coming in and they like, and I think actually, when my eldest daughter actually brought in a friend, a couple of friends or what have you, and they'd oh, really? just be like, chilling out in the bed. And I'd be like, oh, I'll just sit in the chair now so you guys can relax. And they, they were yeah. like,
1: that's cool. Yeah. Like it, it was, um, it, it's so funny like, how they can find. Uh, in my hospital bed, I don't know if your bed was like this, but it could go up really high. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they could just like press the button and go up as high as they can and then like, move the head and the legs of the bed. And I'd be like, are you guys going to fall off the bed? They're like, no, it was like a game for them. Like. Yeah, yeah. And I
0: think um, that almost sort of says like what children are like. They're quite resilient and like they kind of find the fun in anything. So you yeah. could take like, I mean, I don't know about your children, but I mean, if we get a box, my girls are like, hey, let's play with the box. Yes, <laughs> you know,
1: yeah. It's empty. Never mind I'm the toy. It's like, okay. the box. Just the box. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you can have all these toys around and they're like, like the box. And I think they always say, well, actually, you don't really need to get anything for Christmas or the holidays. You can just, um, a box and they're golden I think that's that's probably true yeah. I think there was one stage where um, one of the ladies in x-ray gave my girls like stuffed toys and they, that was like when they like it was sold <laughs> like Ooh, let's go visit mommy in the hospital so when I had the me, and the lymph nodes out I was in for a bit longer it was only four days so I, I wasn't in the hospital as long as you Mm-hmm. Um, all together but that was just like one of the most amazing things for them so I think even if I go to the I guess I've got to go to the hospital like it doesn't for me it sort of just thinks oh I'm back on this cancer wheel again can I get off like I feel like a hamster that's spinning and spinning and spinning and you know you've got these appointments coming up or what have you but for for them they're like okay we'll go to the hospital <laughs>
1: not a problem <laughs> yeah because they know they can get a hot chocolate <laughs> yeah exactly it's like An outing for them
0: yeah. yeah yeah so you know I mean I think that's the beauty of it though you can Obviously, something that's so grim or just so annoying or just so like, you know, what we feel, like they don't feel that. And I think that's quite, that's a good thing. You know, they yeah. we make yeah. it enjoyable for them so they can kind of feel like, you know, they're at home with their, you know, their mommy. And obviously, because you were in the hospital for quite a while. Yeah,
1: for them, it was like a party, like like the day that I got diagnosed, it was right. like a complete shock for us. We weren't expecting you know, need to get diagnosed. And my husband had to go pick up the kids from school, but he had to come to the hospital with me. So he, like, sent a WhatsApp message to his friends, you know, like, can anybody come and watch the kids? And, like, six of them responded at the same time, saying, yes, we can all go. So at our house, there were, like, six people and, like, you know, watching the kids and they were all having, like, a party. It was a big, big party for them. And then, like, my family was coming from New York. And so, like, you know, weeks upon weeks, it just kept having you know, family members and friends come. So for them, it was just like, oh, you know, this. yes, it's sad that mom's in the hospital, but this is also great because we have all these people around and, you know, we have all this attention. And it was, yeah...
0: Yeah, I think I think that's the beauty of it. Like it's a situation that's quite crazy, or not, you know, not so fun for us. As we said, um, you know, your your people come around, and my people or our people, I'll say, <laughs> and um, <laughs> they kind of look out, look after the children as if they were own. And I think that's quite beautiful. You know, not everybody would do that, really. You know what I mean? Like come out of the woodwork or come around. But then yeah. it's one of those situations where you have to be grateful, don't you? I mean, like, yeah, and, and
1: it's especially for us. Us being expats, you know, like both of us are from the States and both of us, you live in London and I live in Geneva. And, you know, we're not from here, but to have developed, you know, a network and a support system that when the worst thing that can happen happens, you know, you have people there to support you.
0: And I, I think I was ever so grateful because in the area of, of London that I live in, I actually haven't really been in the area for too long when, after I was diagnosed. So it's probably just, um, I think I was pregnant with Abby or just about, I think I, when we moved here, I was about eight weeks pregnant with Abby. So she was, in, you know, still my tummy at the time. So it was only the nine months and the nine months, you know, a bit longer. So I really wasn't in this part of North London that long. But I was lucky that I met some really good people and they're still, you know, my really good friends. And I'm ever so grateful. Like if they ever need anything, I'm there because <laughs> you know, they like yeah. dropped anything for me and I'm do that for them, whatever it takes. Yeah, that's just one of those things that comes along the cancer journey. So I've been in the hospital actually a few times. I had a um well I guess this would be more of an interesting one, but I had well not really interesting, but when I had chemo, I had to get a cath put in. So they call it a port as well. I mean, I would joke around that it's like the drink port, but it's not. I'd rather, I'd rather be like a gin and tonic or something. Instead. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I, I put this sort of thing in and it's it just, I've got the scar line for it still. It's, it's a nice, 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 they've done it really quite nicely. Actually, the doctor or surgeon that did it for me, he has people stay in overnight because he wants to do a proper job, which I think is great actually, because it's right on the, it's on, I guess it would be right above, right above the chest area, I suppose, mm. on the left side. Mm-hmm. And he put that in. And again, when I was there, it was it was an overnight stay. It was quite quick. And basically, that was a day, day overnight. I was in and out, you mm-hmm. know, not a big deal. And that was in, yeah, sort of north, another North London hospital, one that I didn't stay in. Mm-hmm. And then when I got the portacap out, same thing. It was just, you know, they took it out. And then I didn't actually have to stay in the hospital overnight then. So that was, that was quite good. Mm-hmm. But probably something that I wasn't ready for. So this is just sort of going back. So I had surgery first, then I had uh, chemo after. So the port was actually after surgery. When I had the first surgery or what have you, they took out the lump or, you know, a lumpectomy. And I mean, the goal these days tends to be to take out less breast tissue, just to conserve it and to, you know, keep the healthy tissue remaining and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. If it was mine, you know, I I probably would have just taken it all out, to be honest, but that's another topic. Mm. And then I had all of my lymph nodes taken out because the cancer has spread to my lymph nodes.
1: Mm.
0: When they do this procedure or what have you, you know, the surgery went well. My surgeon said, oh, it was a great job. It looks neat. You know, all good and gold, all done and dusted, that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. But then what ended up happening is when they got the pathology back. So after you get, you know, something out or whatever, they do the pathology report and then they can find out the specifics. So they found out like the type of cancer and all, all these specific things that they would need that they mm-hmm. didn't get. Biopsy, mm-hmm. and there was still cancer in in the tissue. So basically, mm-hmm. they're trying to get a clear margin. The margins weren't clear, so it was like the early stage breast cancer that was surrounded by the you know the grade three stuff. Oh. Um, the doctor had to go back in, and I said, "What?" Oh. <laughs> So then I, again, I had to go back in the hospital or what have you. So I think I was able to do that four weeks after the first procedure because I had to heal and so on and so forth. You know, it wasn't the surgeon's fault or anything. It was just, you know, you take out what you think you need to take out and then you want to get a clear margin. And the margin wasn't clear, which I was like, okay, well, this time if you go in. I I remember sitting on the bed telling my surgeon, I was like, this time when you go in, you just take it all out if you need to. I don't care, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I had said that all along, but he said, you know, I you know. he listened to me, so I remember when he said that to me, Carly, he said it to me a couple, you know, probably a year ago, I remember when he said that to me, and you know, you know, I would sort of do that for you, or what happened, and it was one of those moments where, again, I was in the hospital, at this time, I didn't want to be there, yeah. <laughs> even more so, because before it was like, "Ooh, get this cancer out, I want it gone, this time was like, I don't wanna be here. I shouldn't be here again. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I was angry and then obviously you had to go through all of the emotions that you went through before, like I have to sort out the girl's childcare and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And again, but obviously I'm I'm still here and I'm telling the story. I'm sharing it just because it seems like when you think you're done, you're not often done. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's something else, yeah.
0: And then maybe you can figure that out now that you're out. Do you get that sense?
1: oh yeah. I was just about to say, okay, so you you were diagnosed three years ago, right?
0: Yeah, it was three years ago on June 3rd. Yeah, okay.
1: And I've been diagnosed, it's been a a month, so. A month, yeah. Yeah. I'm still in the bubble. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still in it. You're still in it. So is it, like, is it, close to remission or what's the
0: oh so the way they the way they say it these days or at least over here is um they call it no evidence of disease so as soon as they get all of the cancer out so that would have been three years ago they would call that no evidence of disease so after that reaction they said oh yeah okay the cancer's gone that sort of a thing Mm -hmm. and then what they do because obviously it's spread through my lymph nodes and my bloodstream or what have you then they say that there could be the possibility that there are stray cancer cells floating around in your body. They're not activated at the moment, or maybe they never will be. We don't know. But, you know, because of the grade and all these different random things, you have to have chemotherapy.
1: So what was your grade? You
0: were were stage three? I was grade three. So they don't do, they don't really do staging anymore here in the UK. Um, They just go by the sort of aggressive I guess, sort of nature. I think generally when people get to stage four, then they call it stage four. Um,
1: yeah, because uh, they diagnosed me with stage four lung cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think
0: that's generally when I've heard it over here is when people are at stage four, but generally they go by the grade or what have you. But I kept going on the internet to try to figure out what stage I was at. <laughs>
1: oh, That's a no-no,
0: Mike. I'm calling
1: Whatever you do, don't go on the internet.
0: Because that's, that's because everybody always asks you, what stage are you?
1: Yeah. You know, and now
0: they, they tend to go by the grade. So I had grade three, which was the most aggressive sort or what have you. You know, they don't really stage you. But I think I was probably between a two and a three, I would say. But that was just from Dr. Google, not from my surgeon, because he <laughs> wouldn't tell me that. <laughs> but I sure to try to get, get him to give me an answer. <laughs> I sure did. So yeah, and then, I mean, there was one other time when I was in the hospital and it was when I... And I had chemotherapy, at a high temperature at one stage and they sent me in the hospital and that was an overnight and mm. they gave me probably some antibiotics, some drugs or what have you. And then I was back, you know, back out of the hospital. So I've kind of had like sort of random overnight stays in the hospital, you know, some plan, some unplanned, but definitely not as long as you, Angie. Like well, you were a no, mom, like turning I into mean, a hospital yeah. person.
1: <laughs> the reason, I mean, the reason why I was in the hospital for so long is because they were trying to figure out, it took them three months to diagnose me. They were trying to figure out like what was wrong with me. And they were like, you know, we're not letting you out until we figure it out. And each time it was like the quote-unquote wrong diagnosis. So like the first time they thought I had tuberculosis and I was quarantined for like a week and then turned out not to be tuberculosis. And then the second time they thought I had pulmonary sarcoidosis which is like some other random rare disease. And it wasn't that because I didn't have granulomas in my lungs, you know, then they diagnosed me with lipoid, lipoid pneumonia because they found oils in my lung cells and I, you know, I, I used to make natural products like for hair and skin and stuff and they said, oh, well, because you made the products and you were inhaling them, that's how the oils got in your lungs and uh, I, kind of, I kind of bought that theory, but then I'm like, what about all the other women who are making natural products and never got lipoid pneumonia? I can't be the only one. And it turned out that that was a symptom of Mm. Cancer and it wasn't until I had fluid in my lungs and I was like my oxygen was like at seventy percent and I was like wearing oxygen like for four right. seven. And then yeah, and then they took fluid out and they examined it and then they saw that I had the cancerous cells and then finally they were like, Yeah, this is what so you So it have. sounds like um obviously you spent a lot
0: of time in the hospital and at one stage you probably felt guilty because you were told that it was something you know, you got whatever you have whatever they said yeah. by
1: by doing your yeah.
0: oils. And exactly. that must have been an immense sense of guilt. And then at the same time, you also were diagnosed or, you know, trying to say that you have these other things like quarantined. I mean, who yeah. wants to be quarantined? Do you see that like on TV? I know. I like, <laughs> don't want to be in
1: it. Like my kids couldn't come see me. And like when my husband saw me, he had to wear this like, you know, super heavy duty mask on his face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, they yeah, don't have to get like, tested. It, it was not a good experience at all. And obviously, it's definitely not a good
0: experience. And, I mean, I would assume that that's because they would never have guessed or predicted and that you would have lung cancer, particularly based on your age and, you know, like that your general <laughs> overall health, yeah, and that you don't smoke or what have you. And do you, do you think that that's a misconception about lung cancer?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, and they kept saying to me, like, the whole time, they're like, you know, if we looked at your scans, if any other doctor looked at it, you know, they might think it is cancer, but we know your situation and you know, it's not like they, they kept telling me that it's not cancer. And so that's what made it even more shocking. The fact Mm -hmm. that after them saying this, like three months later, they're like, actually it is. And even though, you know, they, they were just so fixated on it, not being, because I just didn't see the profile. Like, you know, people don't get screening for lung cancer until they're like 55 years old, and I'm 37.
0: Yeah. Now, in the UK, they have something called the NICE Guidelines, where they say, if you have X, Y, Z symptoms, then we refer you on to a specialist. Like, I went to the breast clinic, for example, to get checked out. Um, Do they not have that in Switzerland, where they're saying, okay, you've got the symptoms of lung cancer, but we're not going to test you because... Or we are going to test you because you have these symptoms, or... Is there anything guideline wise that can help people
1: so, so in those referrals? I'm not even sure. But I mean, in my yeah. case, they did a biopsy for me in yeah. February, but they didn't find anything in the biopsy. Okay. Yeah. So that sort
0: of set them on that path. And, yeah.
1: and then, you know, they did it again in May, and then it was already stage four. So we we're like, how do you not find anything in February? And then just a couple of weeks later, it's stage four that, you know,
0: Oh, that must is, have been quite aggressive yeah. then,
1: I'm assuming. And, yeah, it must have been
0: quite a, a shock. Because, obviously, I mean, three months, I don't know. I mean, just thinking of three months and, well, three months, isn't it? That's yeah. like a quarter of a year. I mean, <laughs> what, 90 days? <laughs> you know, you could do a 90-day yeah. plan. You could, um, what could you do? in? That's a whole semester in, in school. Or <laughs> just a, <whole laughs> a bride. What else could you yeah, do in 90 days? days. I mean, yeah. 90 days is, is like... <laughs> you know, you could travel the world in 90 days. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But you, Andy, you were stuck in the hospital um,
0: in and out trying to figure out what you were diagnosed. That does not sound too fun to me.
1: But I mean, the good thing is like, okay, now I know what it is. We all know. And I'm taking medication. And the good thing is that I have this rare genetic mutation in my cells that say basically has like a X, a marker X, so that I'm taking these... Chemo pills called uh, chisotinim, and it targets just the cancer cells, and so it's not like the traditional chemotherapy where it just targets all the fast-growing cells. So right. Yeah. You know, in that sense, I'm lucky that I, you know, I won't, I don't lose my hair, and I don't have like such serious side effects. I mean, I still have side effects, but not you know debilitating ones.
0: I think that's the interesting thing about cancer. Is like. Well, I'm lucky because I didn't have to lose my hair, but you're still lucky that you're unlucky that you're diagnosed with cancer. So don't ever undermine, undermine that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. yeah. it's still like a pretty yucky situation yeah, to be yeah. in. It's
1: not a but then I funny. suppose
0: with most things, yeah. I think because we're quite positive people, we're looking yeah. for a
1: silver lining, aren't we? You're yeah. <laughs> trying to find it. Exactly. As you,
0: and do you ever feel like as you're going along this process, you know, it's like one of those situations where it is, it is really lucky and and you are looking for that silver lining,
1: but you're still not sure. You're just like, what, what is this? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I found myself saying, wow, I'm really lucky I had the pneumonia because had I not had it, then, you know, I wouldn't have gone to the hospital and, you know, they wouldn't have, um, and they were telling me that my pneumonia basically was hiding the cancer. And once the pneumonia Mm -hmm. cleared, that's when they saw all the tumors, okay but, you know but I'm still like well you know at least I had the pneumonia because then I wouldn't have you know I would have found out much later that I had this cancer and then when I had the cancer well at least I'm that one percent that has this like mutation <laughs> <laughs> I can take this so that's yeah. it and
0: I think that, that survives like life of a, a cancer patient we're always looking for that one you know that positive something just to sort of like keep us going but also um just to tell you, it almost makes us feel a bit better as well, doesn't it? Like, yeah. most people wouldn't say, oh, I'm, I'm lucky because I've got pneumonia. Yeah. So probably think, oh, well, actually, that's not luck. But obviously, when, once you're in the cancer bubble, so to speak, yeah. that is like, that's pretty good then, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And then like, I'm totally a believer in, you know, like, mind over matter and like, you know, yeah, positive, yeah. positive thoughts. Actually, today I just came back. I, I went on, you know, this website, meetup.com? Where you can, what is like, it? meetup, meetup.com. meetup. Oh, yeah, meetup.com yeah yeah so I went to a meetup today in Geneva okay. and okay. this this guy's like Dr. Joe Dispenza and he okay. writes about how like you know you you can heal yourself and like you know um you are the placebo and how basically like your positive thoughts and stuff and like you know you can heal your body and so there were these um these Dr. Joe Dispenza enthusiasts that like meet up once a month. And I went to the meeting today and they put me in a, and me in a circle and they did like this meditation. And then they did like a group healing on me. <laughs> and it was, it was actually pretty cool. And cause tomorrow I have, um, I'm going to the doctor at seven in the morning for an MRI for my brain and my thoracic cavity. So MRIs of areas, they found four lesions in my brain and so um, I'm having another MRI a month later okay. to see the status of those. And then also my thoracic cavity. So my lungs, my stomach, um, my chest and all all those areas, just to make sure that the cancer hasn't spread any further because I have like lesions in my bones, my vertebrae um, and my brain. And, you know, just to make sure that it's, it's contained and it's, um, and that the medication is is in fact working.
0: Right, right. So you've got the two of them, and obviously that must be um. I mean, just speaking from experience, I know that sort of scan anxiety or scan anxiety kicks in. I guess they call it, and um, can be quite nerve-wracking before a
1: scan. How are you feeling? Yeah, you know what, I'm <laughs> I'm having these like daydreams where you know the they look at my scans and like, oh my gosh, the cancer's gone. How did <laughs> you? <know? laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because I've been eating healthy and working out and you know healing myself. But you know, I don't know if the if in a month you know I can have that much progress. But I'm I'm quite hopeful that you know.
0: So obviously you you've got
1: the hopefulness that comes along with it. But are you are you nervous or are you
0: have yeah, you thought about I'm it? So long?
1: Mean, honestly, I really don't think that I'm gonna get. A negative result or you know like it I really don't think it can be worse than when I was first diagnosed I mean that oh, I, see, I see what you
0: mean I see yeah. what you mean yeah yeah now you know it's there and now you just want to know that it's contained yeah don't you? yeah yeah that it's not spreading that it's that it's all set in mm-hmm. in stone and and that sort of a thing and, and that I mean that makes sense I mean you know I've never actually I've never had a an MRI of the
1: brain what's that like you know what? Actually, that's not... It. The first time I had an MRI of my brain was when I was at Tufts University in Boston. Okay. <laughs> but then <laughs> I did it for money. <laughs> like, I was just going to say that, for science. <laughs> <laughs> you remember, like, when we used to be, like, so broke and we were working at a, um, what it was a marathon, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know what?
0: I think I, I actually did a study, and it was, I think it was a bone DEXA scan that I had. And that was to check out for like osteoporosis and that sort of a thing. And they asked me. I remember filling out the survey and they asked me loads of questions. The pay actually wasn't that great, but I think it was in Tufts as Tufts as well. Yeah, or one of those. I'm pretty sure it was Tufts, or it was one of those really
1: other good yeah. universities. Yeah, it was probably Tufts or MIT, like one of those universities. Yeah, at yeah. Harvard. I mean,
0: yeah. Yeah, but the funny thing, the funny thing is, though, now is like I actually did have a bone density
1: scan. You know, because <laughs> I needed it. Not because. Yeah. No, I you know, remember like I, I had an MRI for my brain and they paid me a hundred bucks and then they okay. told me, and then they told me not to get another MRI for six more months because it could be dangerous. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, okay. And now like I'm getting MRIs like every couple of weeks, which is like, oh, okay. This is and
0: like back then I knew you knew that you had a brain, didn't you? Yeah. So that clarified that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: So it's good to get checked. I mean, you got paid for it to know that you had a brain. So that's a good thing. I remember I did this one study at MIT for a month. I couldn't eat anything. They gave me like this smoothie with some protein um, amino okay. acid thing, and it paid for my trip to Spain. They paid me like okay. if it paid me eight hundred bucks for a month of like no being and just like, and I mean, to a college student, that was like you know, boku bucks. Yeah, that's-
0: Alive. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the Andy I know. The Andy that I know is very resourceful. Like she's on top of things. <laughs> she knows what's going on, and that. I mean, obviously, we're talking about scans, but that reminds me of the time when you and I went to try and go do, to donate blood. <laughs> and um, I can't remember. I don't. I don't remember what happened to you, but we were at we were at Family Park, weren't we? Which yeah. is like a big Boston baseball place, and. I mean, it'd be people's dreams,
1: I suppose, to be in Fenway Park, you know? To get exactly. blood and that's when I found and, out um, that, I, that's when I found that I couldn't donate blood because of mad cow disease. Okay, because you were in Europe. And that was in Europe. No, <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't get blood because I was anemic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now we both can't get blood because of cancer. I
0: know.
1: Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. That's true, huh?
0: I think it was a few months before I was diagnosed. I did a swab actually to donate blood, and uh-huh. or to a swab to sort of there was a little girl that had some a child cancer or what have you, and I was testing to see if I was a match because mm-hmm. she was the playgroup that my girls used to go to, or my daughter used to go to, and um, you know I did the swab, I sent it in, and so on and so forth, and then I had I think they gave me a card as well, and then I had to um, basically ring them up and say, well I'm sorry, I'm the register anymore because. I can't, I can't be part of it, you know, um, which is a shame, actually, because, like, if somebody, if I was somebody's ideal match, yeah. you know, me for their, you know, for their cancer or what have you, I can't I can't do that anymore. And obviously, you can't now either because you've had, oh, you know, wow. I don't
1: know. So that just kind of hit me. Like, I feel yeah. sad about that. I didn't even, it wasn't even something that I had even planned or, like, that I knew, but just knowing that I can't just makes me feel sad.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, and I think that's the weird, probably the most annoying thing about cancer is it tells you a lot of things that you shouldn't do or couldn't do or can't do. Mm. Um, and you know us, we're always looking for a way around that, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um I know that I can't give blood, but then I suppose that I think the only other time I gave blood was when I was in high school and they couldn't find my veins because my veins are quite tricky. Oh. And again, I mean, I've, I've had chemo.
1: My veins are very tricky now. <laughs> yeah. Wait, But is, yeah. this like, is this like forever? Like even if you're in remission, you still can't give blood?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. As far as I know. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can't give blood now because of all the, you know, all the drugs that I've had. and uh, yeah. Still these Mm -hmm. days Uh, i'm afraid to say auntie i know we're going to look for a loophole but we're done (laughs) i mean maybe we can get a specialist on our show one day and they can tell us the ins and outs of of why that that's the reason but i mean it is kind of a letdown isn't it though like something you know before like when i had anemia i mean i could raise that up but now that you're in in europe you could probably give blood because i mean mad cow disease was in europe wasn't it (laughs) so that you wouldn't you know that wouldn't be a problem for you It might be in the States, but it wouldn't be a problem here, would it? Yeah. Um, But yeah, that just sort of, you know, gets you thinking about all these different tests or things that you can do. And then obviously, like scans. I mean, when I, you know, thinking back to when I first had my original scans, I was nervous as heck. I mean, I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, I've had a few, maybe x-rays in my day or what have you, or ultrasounds when you're pregnant and Mm -hmm. expecting a baby, that sort of a thing, Mm -hmm. Um, but never really I don't think I've ever really had major, major scans. The one that probably bothered me the most is when I was, you know, first diagnosed was the, the bone scan because of that. You know, I think they inject, inject this radio. Oh, this the sort of hot dye.
1: Fluid in you? Yeah, the dye. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing.
0: Uh, when I first had it, I was, it was at a, I was in a hospital near my house, and I, you know, I felt really out of place. There were loads of old people, and I just felt like I didn't fit in. I was like, what am I doing here? The scan itself annoyed me because they told me that I need to stay away from my children, like not hug them or, oh no. you know, that sort of thing. And I think they say like 24 hours or maybe it was less than that. I don't know. But I'm like, I had to like um, make sure that the children were like in bed before I came home. So <laughs> they oh couldn't, you
1: know, yeah.
0: and then I, you know, I touched them the next day, but just the radioactivity, whatever the substance is, I have no idea. Wow. Um, but that really annoyed me. And that goes back to the thing that you were saying about like the control or like when you're told no, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're, like finally a loophole. So I was like, OK, I think I will stay out later then because I can't go home and have them upset. Yeah. You know, I want to cuddle them. They're going to want to cuddle me, that sort of thing.
1: That would work for that. me because my son like crawls into bed with us at night. Yeah, you'd have to sleep elsewhere. Yeah, you know. for that. You'd have to sleep
0: for I mean, I think it's generally like the overall period. But I know when I was in the, you know, in the hospital view or in one of the hospitals, they were a bit strict the second time. They were like, stay away, you know, that sort of a thing. But I was like, all right, okay. And yeah, so that, I mean, I've had quite a few scans of my time. So there was one time when I had a scan because I had some tightness in my chest and it was just not, not right. And, um, it must be that I had just pulled a muscle, and they were testing it to see if it was a blood clot, that sort of thing, or a cancer. Luckily, luckily it wasn't. But again, nerve-wracking. Um, I think because I had the like nervousness a disease sort of thing going on, or what have you. Anytime I have a scan, I get super nervous because obviously that means it's spread or it's back. Just before I had my last mammogram this past month, because it was just three years that I was diagnosed. I was I was really really nervous this time actually because like once you get past a certain stage, like with breast Cancer, like everybody thinks, it's like pink and fluffy and all that sort of stuff. But generally, you can fight it for a bit, and it 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 eventually comes back. I think I'm I'm not really going to confirm that, but for a lot of people, it, it does come back. And because I know my chances are, it's in my bloodstream. You know, it was in my lymph nodes. There is a chance to spread for you know the secondary cancer or what have you. And that's sort of always my fear going into it. But this time I was a bit nervous because it's now three years. But I mean, my treatment didn't finish until like two and a half years ago or something like that. I'm still like in the zone where it could come back, that sort of a thing. Yeah, I find that to be quite stressful. I think Mm -hmm. Um, I'm glad that it's over and it's clear. But then I I suppose the beauty with cancer is, you know, you could have a good, a positive scan one day and then the next day something's activated. You just don't know, do you? Mm. You know, Otherwise, we'd be having scans all the time, Auntie, yeah. wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. trying to it. oh so it's like, you're the clear, you're not, that sort of a thing. So that, well, I mean, what I do is I enjoy those moments when it's, you know, it's good. And then when I get to that stage, there's a build up of when I have my next scan, and I'm like, oh, but there, there is actually one one funny story that I'll share, and then I'll let you you know, have a chance to chat for a bit. So there was one time when I had a, had a chest infection and I had a chest x-ray at my local hospital near my house. And then I told my oncologist about it. And generally when you have cancer, if you tell them some sort of symptoms and they're like, they're on it, like they're on toast, I guess. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, I was in this private hospital and this lady came up. and I was just sitting down in my chair waiting for my appointment or what have you. And um, she looked like she was a handler, like doing something for somebody. And mm-hmm. obviously, you know, it could be anybody in there. I think it was, must have been a trainer for the Tottenham Hotspurs because there was an England player in there. So a guy that plays for England uh-huh. uh, on the England squad. He was actually just in one of these games that they had up recently. And he was out there getting a scan. And I think it was because he has injured his leg or something like that obviously it was you know whether or not he could play again that sort of a thing so he's sitting there waiting on that and he's like in the waiting room playing his his, his music really loud and I'm just like stop it you know so like, I don't care who you are I'm trying to get I'm here I'm nervous as heck trying to get my you know find out whether I'm on death row or what you know not death row you know yeah I, mean. yeah. <laughs> but I all over the place and here you are playing your music like you know making all your money living the you know living the life and here I am shaking in my boots you know <laughs> but yeah that, that really interesting experiences for me just in in regards to like not necessarily taking advantage or granted for things obviously yeah. he's a football player like if he's injured he can't play he probably yeah. his it's his money. livelihood but his life goes on like, it's like a different survival isn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wants to stay in the game as long as he can and I'm just trying to stay in the game alive here yeah no?
1: <laughs>
0: I mean he did actually he was in the game recently for England so he's still around he's you know okay. he's on it but his manner mannerisms in the waiting room not mm-hmm. having it yeah. <laughs> I almost told him off I, I refrained because I was like well you know I'm nervous favorite energy. Know. yeah
1: favorite energy <laughs>
0: So, I mean, I've had quite a few different random scans throughout. And I think the other one was more that was a bit worried as well is when I had like aching pain in my leg at night and it wouldn't go away. And generally they say if you have something at night and it's, it's persistent or what have you, they need to get checked or what have you. And I had a bone scan and it was clear. It was just that was hip rositis. But again, those nerves kick in, it kind of brings it all back. It almost um, For me, it sort of reminds me, just, you know, takes me back to diagnosis day, really.
1: Mm. I think you're like
0: you're not really free. You're never really free, but you kind of have a few moments where you can just kind of like chill out for a bit and then you're back into
1: it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you'll
0: see what I mean as as you move along your journey. It's so
1: much like when I when I wake up in the morning, like the first minute or so, like I forget that I have cancer. <laughs> and then it all just kind of feels like a, a bad dream and then Yeah, yeah. You're and you're back and you're like, oh wait, no, this is reality.
0: <laughs> But then it sounds like you're you're making the best of it, so to speak. It's a pretty unlucky situation, but you're kind of, you know, going about it, you know, the best that you can. And I think yeah. with scans, you know, they like that's one of those things that you kind of have to pump yourself up for. So what 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 songs of music are you going to be listening to to get pumped up for it?
1: You know what? I am very much into Nipsey Hussle right now. <laughs> what? I don't know. I don't know if you've heard of him, Nipsey Hussle. He actually no. I've Tell me more. <laughs> Actually it's kinda sad because he was just gunned down like last month. Oh, is the guy that was killed? Yeah, the one that was killed okay. in LA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Like I, I like I like his songs like Victory Lap and Okay, I'll write that down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then but it's kinda weird. So I'm like into, you know, West Coast. Gangster rap, but then like I'm also into like gospel. Kirk Franklin has a new <laughs> Kirk Franklin has a new album out. Like after you, I, okay. I used to like that one song by Kirk Franklin. What was it? Was it Stomp? Oh no, that was like back in the '90s so, yeah, though. I'm stuck in the one. '90s. I'm stuck yeah. in the '90s. Stomp. Yeah. Yeah, no, but yeah, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of weird. I go I go from like you know, West Coast gangster rap to 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 gospel but you know I have like a wide range of emotions and they speak to me so you know I just listen to songs that speak to me (laughs) well I
0: think I think that makes sense I know like I always used to like sort of hip-hop gangster rap etc when I was younger what have you so there's it could be anything like you know, Nas to um, Biggie, Notorious B.I.G. I'm, I'm always sort of stuck with Wu-Tang Clan. That's oh, my yeah. group. <laughs> Wu-Tang. I mean, Method Man, you know, he sings a song about the iron
1: lung, Andrew. He must yeah. listen to that. Oh, oh, my gosh, you're so right. I, mean, yeah. I need yep. to add that on my cancer playlist. <laughs> <laughs> that. Obviously, you need to
0: add bring bring the ruckus. That's my, that's my theme song. You know, trying to get popped up for those situations. And for some reason, like when I've... Uh, on my, I've, I listen to a, an MP3 player, which makes me like old school, old school. <laughs> and I still listen to my marathon training CD for when I did the marathon in Boston back in, not in Boston, I did it in New York, but I was training for it in Boston when we lived in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. I think it was music from 2006. Yeah, oh my <laughs> so God. Those become like my, my fi- not my fighting songs, but those are the songs that I rely on because yeah. I know they're reliable. Yeah. So I'm talking like a Mary J. Blige. Well, not, not when she did the no, no More Drama stuff. Was it One Love when she did it with YouTube? 2 Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, just a an eclectic mix of mix of music. But I mean, that's just when I'm like in my scan mode. I need my familiar, my familiar music,
1: my go-to are you, stuff. Are you allowed to bring like AirPods with you in the scan? I was thinking about that. No. I was, you know, like it's so loud in there and I have to wear, you know, these <laughs> like noise canceling thingies but I'm not sure about the answer but
0: I know sometimes they tell you to do different things don't they like breathe in breathe out yeah yeah hold your breath and stuff yeah so I'm guessing the answer would be no not right yeah you can always try it though couldn't you you can always ask some of the rooms that I'm in they play music yeah, like yeah pretty much
1: like elevator music and I'm instead of going up you're like get me out of here yeah. no it's so like if you're claustrophobic it's the worst I mean I'm not claustrophobic but it's it's still like <laughs> You know, you're, you're wearing this helmet and your, your head can't move because it's being squeezed by these two things. And then you just hear loud rumbling. And then I have to stay there for like an hour of them. like An hour? Oh, yeah. gosh. It was a brain scan, yeah. an hour. An hour brain scan. And then like I'm, I'm scheduled for two one hour brain, um, one hour scans tomorrow. So like, I can in the machine for two hours. I'm like... Well, you might as well just stay up all night so you're really tired.
0: sleep. <laughs> but you know what? You know what I find tricky about a scan is... I think it goes back to... I'm not the type of person that can sit still or what have you. But the, the whole like not being able to move sort of thing. And yeah. then like all of a sudden I start itching. I you know people exactly. say that. <laughs> and then you, you don't know... You can't scratch. And
1: you're just like... Ah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So like you, that's all I think about for a while there. And then I like somehow out of it but then I'm like ooh, with these scans that you're having have you ever had them
1: like with contrast or without contrast yeah they, they, they yeah. put the hot liquid in you and you feel yeah, all yeah. warm and stuff but then like the room itself is cold but like but it's that's freezing yeah. yeah yeah especially when you have like you know like the chest stuff where you like you don't have
0: as much on I suppose I can't remember if I take my trousers off <laughs> or what <laughs> I think generally if I wear a dress I can like if it's anything without buttons or metal then I think you can keep it on don't quote me on that. But then if it's anything with like metal or buttons or jewelry, then you have to take, take it off. And anytime I get the contrast, I always have this problem where like generally, because my veins, my veins aren't the best veins, to be honest. So I've always had funny veins where they're difficult, but then the whole chemo thing kind of changed that a bit. So I've got one good vein that's on my left arm and it's the right side vein. So they can't do anything in my right arm because I've got lymphedema, from having my lymph nodes out. Mm. Um, but if you're not like good at getting blood or like, you know, putting the catheter, not not a catheter, hold on, <laughs> is that what it's called? Is it a catheter? No, yeah, like, yeah, it is the catheter, no? I think that's for the kidney. Like, new, no, using. but you, the catheter just to get blood, like just to... Yeah, I think yeah. there's a different word for it. I don't, I don't, I can't think of it now. But anyway, I think catheter is for the kidney. And then the other one is like, whatever. But anyway anytime they put that thing in where they have to connect it you know to like like as if they were yeah, going to that is, that
1: is the catheter because i've had it in exactly. my hands i've had it okay my, like,
0: yeah. okay that's what it's called okay for some reason i'm just thinking it's the kidney one no. but must got that wrong yeah so when they do that then like if you're really good you can get in my veins and if you're not then you can't yeah yeah <laughs> There's one time where they you know they struggle with that whole vein process and then i think that's where my nerves kind of kick in is because i'm like okay I'm reminded again, blah, blah, blah. And I think the other thing that annoys me about having these scans as well is they ask me if you're pregnant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm in chemical menopause. Thank you very much. I'm not pregnant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> i you again. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm so used to it now. It doesn't really phase me. But I remember in the early days, I was just like, no, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm in menopause. And then, they start, and then they start going on about, oh, but you're so young and blah, blah, blah. And I go... And I sometimes have to say, just look at the paperwork. It says I have breast cancer, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm here to be like, you know, told blah, blah, blah. You know, that's just the deal with it, you know, that yeah. sort of a thing. But for me, that sometimes is awkward. And I think the times that I've had the instances where they kind of go on about me not being pregnant or, you know, not or being young or whatever that sort of situation is. And I get a bit annoyed, but I control myself. Obviously, I don't say anything. Yeah. yeah.
1: Thank you very much. (laughs) I know what you mean because they were. I had to meet with the gynecologist, and she told me that if I wanted to get to have another baby, that I would have to freeze my eggs now because it's a wrap. (laughs) Like, you know, kids are done. And again, you know, it's like, you know, knowing that you can't. I'm like, I want another one. Like, I didn't want a third one. But now, like, knowing that I can't have one, I'm like, man, like, I want to be able to decide whether I want a third child or not and not, like, science or cancer or whatever. Yeah, I think it's that
0: whole, like, that choice choice being taken away or that option. So obviously it's like you know, I, I think we were also done. So we always you know, planned to have two children or what have you. And then obviously, if, if my children were better sleepers, maybe I would have had a third, I think. <laughs> but, um, you know, I felt even though that was the situation or what have you, like I felt like I was done. I st- still felt like I was being robbed. Yeah. Just that sort of a thing. So I, because I kind of knew that going in, I had told my oncologist that, so she never talked about, you know, taking the eggs or getting the eggs or what have you. But then, Again, like I'm in chemical menopause now, you know, taking my you know, expensive drug that I'm on and do to get my ovaries out soon. And I think it will kind of still bring back those feelings as well. You know, it just reminds you again of, of that sort of thing. But then, but then there's this part of me as well that like wants to get my ovaries out because I'm fed up with them, I'm angry with them <laughs> I want the estrogen out get the estrogen out of my body you know, that sort of a thing get it out, get it out but um, you know, I'm just waiting on a surgery date or what have you and I have to go off one of the drugs that I'm on for a month so it'll be a little while but I'll have to deal with that when the time comes just all that that sort of bring, brings to the table but I think, you know, just like I think sometimes just going for a scan and, and the questions
1: that come with it can be yeah. Sometimes difficult depending <laughs> on, on what they are. Um, Just like simple not, things. Like this this might be yeah. this might be TMI, but <laughs> one of yeah, the yeah. one of the major but you know, we're keeping it real in this show. So <laughs> <laughs> <all> keep <speaking> it real. <laughs> it's, not, so it's out like, there. editing. <laughs> <out of>, yeah. <laughs> one of the major, major side effects I have is constipation from like uh, Oh yes. Oh yeah, I know that uh, Angie. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. I have like all these like cocktails of laxatives that I have to take. And yep. I don't want to like to, so I didn't take them tonight because I'm afraid <laughs> that like if I'm in the, uh, the MRI <laughs> table and like I have to go, I'm just like, and I can't move. I'm just like, ah, I don't want to be in this position. So, I'm just, oh, I mean, like, i would <laughs> rather. Comfortable and
0: constipated. Yeah. <laughs> I have to worry about having to go. I yeah. see what you mean. I think that's one of those things where, I mean, I had, when I was on chemo, was, you know, as well, I had a constipation. I think my doctor gave me some, some sense, like Sensicar or something that was a very mild tablet. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for some reason, I didn't really speak up until the end to say, oh, I think I need more because I'm really struggling. It's almost like you're having a baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's, just, oh, it's not comfortable at all. Yeah. And some of them are now constipation you know, as well. And I mean, obviously, we have children, so we talk about poo a lot, don't we?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the nature of it, people? Yeah. <laughs> we are poo experts. <laughs> we are poo experts. I suppose we're poo experts
0: for the adults, which, remind, which reminds me, I'll, I'll add in
1: here, I'm about to do a,
0: only because we're talking about poo, and then we'll have to call it a wrap in a second. Yes. I went to the doctor because I have these ongoing sore of throats or what have you. And she's going down the line of testing and blah, blah, blah. She said, oh, let me just see. I think we should do a poo sample. <laughs> because sometimes bacteria from you know, the body can get, I don't know, cause issues with the throat and so on and so forth. So I thought I'd do a poo
1: sample. I mean, who does that? <laughs> I've, had, I've had poo samples taken at the hospital. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. So you're probably like an expert yes. poo samples. <laughs> Tell us (laughs) your notes, and on that note, let's wrap it up. (laughs) Later. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys.
0: Cracking Cancer Chit Chat is where we are at, folks.
1: Keeping it real and letting you in on how we really feel.
0: It ain't easy for us, and we hope you never join our cancer team.
1: Know what we mean? But if you or yours do, we're here for you.
0: So check yourself and be the best version of you. It's all all you you can can do. do.
1: Bye, okay. Angie. Yeah. Bye. That was that wasn't oh. too bad, actually.